Hey y'all, this is Lauren Aikens and welcome to the Live in Love podcast. Each week I'm sitting down with friends and family and talking about different areas of our lives where we get to live in love. We've got some behind the scene things as well that we're going to get to share with you, even things you may not know, although you may have already read the book, Live in Love. And I'm Annie F. Downs. I'm really excited to be a part of this with Lauren. It's such a special show. If you haven't subscribed yet, go and do that today so you don't miss a single episode. And if you haven't gotten your copy of Lauren's book, Live and Love, the paperback edition is new. It's out now and y'all should get a copy. Just pick it up wherever you love to buy books, your favorite local bookstore, anywhere online. The paperback copy of Live and Love is available. Okay, Lauren. So today we're talking about community. Who is joining us for this conversation? So today we are going to get to sit down with one of my very best friends, Grace Hackett, to talk about why it matters to live in love in our community. Okay, y'all, I've really wanted to talk to you about one of our partner's crew. So I think it goes without saying, but the Bible really is an anchor for me and my family. And I think if you follow us or have listened to this podcast, obviously, you know that so much of my truth comes from the Bible and just so much of what living in love looks like for me is because of what I've learned from the Bible. But imagine just for a second that you couldn't get a Bible. You couldn't just hop on Amazon and get one sent to your house or even afford one, or take it a step further. Imagine that you aren't even allowed to have a Bible. Honestly, I think sometimes we forget that there's so many people in the world who just can't even get a Bible. And that's why we are so excited to partner with Crew. Crew is one of the largest evangelical organizations with over 25,000 missionaries in almost every country. Crew is giving Bibles around the world to people in their own heart language and in turn able to share the hope of Jesus. So here's where they need your help. For only $21 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with the monthly gift of $21 as a thank you, Crew will provide meals to five hungry families through their humanitarian aid ministry, and you'll receive a copy of my new book, Live in Love. All you have to do is text LOVE to 71326 to help today. Imagine just how much this gift could change someone's life. So text LOVE to 71326. That's L-O-V-E to 71326 to help now or visit give.crew.org slash love. All right. So Lauren, in the last episode, we talked about family. Y'all were all deep. There's a lot of you. Yep. But I think the thing people also know about you and get to learn about you is you also have like community. You have friends, relationships outside of your family. Let's talk about that. Yeah. So community is probably one of the most important things I would say in my life personally, in my life with children and in my marriage, especially. Mm. I brought my friend Grace to talk and hang with today. Grace is somebody who is a very good friend of mine just in life, but also we are in a small group together that we're actually all, we actually all go to different churches for the most part, but we are all married And so we're doing life together in a similar way. Some of us have kids, some of us don't. But to me, just like family is so important to me and it has shaped who I am. And it's also my safety net, you know, that I get to fall back on when I need that safety net to fall back on in life. Community is also that for me. And I know with a lot of people, they may not have a strong family dynamic or relationship and community is so special to me because it is like your chosen family. My community speaks so much life and so much truth into who I am and into my marriage, especially, and also into the way that I raise kids and, and just holding my hand through all of it and encouraging me through the moments that are really hard or when I feel like I've done something wrong that I need guidance on, or even for them just to call me out has been huge because everybody needs that person in your life that is going to make you a better you and not going to let you do the things that they know you shouldn't be doing. Um, not to have another yes man in your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think in our life, especially we do have a lot of yes men just with us being more public figures. I think we do have a lot of yes men and a lot of yes women. And so 
we've both made, Thomas Rhett and I have both made a conscious decision to keep people in our lives who are just going to keep it real. <laughs> but also people that we have so much fun with. Like, there's never a dull moment with our friends and our community. And um, it is one of the greatest gifts of my life. Grace, tell us about your birthday party. Um, so we had a 90s rave this past weekend. Um, we got a crimper and all crimped our hair. And Lauren balled out at Plato's Closet. So those of us who couldn't <gasps> That's find where you got it, it all? I didn't know that Plato's Closet was still... A, like, I used to shop there when I was younger. <laughs> it's stuck in time. I didn't know that it was still there. I did ball out. Grace is right. We had some of my... Like, a couple of my high school friends came, too, and they showed up, and they had 90s clothes on, but they didn't have neon that would glow into the black lights. So I was like... <laughs> Don't worry, Lauren has plenty. So we just went to the closet and raided all of her stuff, and it was so fun. I think after COVID, just their gym was turned into, like, a dance floor with a black light. And after COVID, everybody just needed a good dance floor, mm -hmm. you know? just needed to dance it out. Oh, it was so much fun. How did y'all become friends? So my cousin, Landon, and Lauren were close friends in college, and he introduced Lauren to my mom, and... Through them, I met Lauren, and now Lauren is best friends with my mom, and we also get to be best friends. So it's been really fun. For those of y'all who don't know, Suzanne is Grace's mom, Suzanne Marinick, who is yes. founder of Love One. And yeah, people are like, wow, so you're best friends with mom and daughter. I'm like, <laughs> yep, sure am. <laughs> yep. It's, it's so fun. It was in my wedding and on my mom's 50th birthday trip. That's right. So That's fascinating. Yeah. So I know fun. it is. It is a very unique dynamic, but it is so much fun because we get to travel to Uganda together. Because Grace works with Love One, okay. So I'm on the board. It's Suzanne's deal, and Grace works with us. So we get to do like when I say the reason I chose Grace to come in on this is she is literally in almost every facet of my life except for the fact that she's not a mom yet. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. if Grace is a mom. <laughs> I don't know that there would be any area that she's not involved with mm. me on, mm. but she's almost like a mom. She's got six younger siblings. Yeah, so she, true. She yeah. kind of is. Play the mom role. Yeah. She plays it well, even though her and Davey don't have kids just yet, but getting to do life with people who are so life giving and share the same heart and the same passions and the same convictions and the same faith and goals for marriage and all of it is crucial. And I feel like I talk so much about that in my book, just the role that my community played growing up through my adoption with Willa Gray, which we'll talk about later. And now, especially in my marriage. I mean, I think one of the most life-giving things for my marriage is our small group. Yeah, totally. I agree. It's like there are 12 of us total. Six couples. Six mm -hmm. couples. That's a lot. We do it every Monday night at our house. And there are days that I am whooped by <laughs> yeah, the end of the night. Yeah. But when I tell you, I will do whatever it takes to be a small group because the life that it brings, mm. just with all of us showing up, and we've actually split off over the last few months and done just girls together and just guys together. And that has been life-giving in a whole different way, just being with girls and getting to dig deep. But when we show up at small group, it is like some weeks it's people bringing extreme hardships like I am struggling with this and a I don't know if I'm doing it the right way b I don't know what what's next and what that looks like c the discouragement that we have walked through with each other is mm. and lifted each other up up out of that discouragement has been incredible and I've been on the receiving end of that encouragement and I think everybody could probably go around our whole small group and speak to how when we've gone through some really tough life valleys, if you will, totally. our small group has been everything to us in that. And, and, and even when we're not together on Monday nights, I mean, I literally, my grandmother passed away not too long ago. And throughout that time, we had a couple of weeks to kind of like getting ready for her passing. There were a lot of really, really hard moments as you would expect, but just having access to my friends who are constantly praying for me. And when I come to them with 
hey, my heart is really hurting here in this, and my dad's heart is really hurting here in this. And they may not know my dad as well as I know my dad, but they love me. Mm-hmm. And so because they love me, they love my dad. And so knowing that they're interceding on behalf of my dad and our family and just my grandmother in her life here before she passed away was everything to me. And of course my family was there for me too, but you can't have enough people speaking truth into your life and encouraging you in your life. And to me, that is my community with my friends and especially our small group. Yeah. When the small group started, y'all all all don't go to the same church. So it's not like a church based thing. It's really a relationship based thing. Yeah. Can you like, I'm thinking of friends listening that wish they were in a thing like this. How did y'all even start it? Will you back up and kind of talk about how it even happened? Like, what was that first meeting like? Yeah. So Landon, the one who introduced me to Lauren, was actually the one who kind of spearheaded it and was like, I really think it would be cool to have a community group of, at the time, we were newlyweds. And so we're Landon and his wife, Alex. And so we were like of newlyweds and married people just so we can live in community with other people who are in the same season of life with us. So he kind of spearheaded it. And then it was just different people that I felt like God put in front of us as we started talking about what it would look like that we were like, these people we feel like are supposed to be a part of it. And so that's how we all came together. It has been crazy. Like, I mean, I think all of us are open people. And I think in order to have rich community, you have to be willing to be vulnerable and Mm -hmm. be open. Mm -hmm. And I'm thankful that our group is a group that is willing to be vulnerable because I don't think it would be as deep or as rich as it is if we weren't. But I mean, as is with anything, getting to know people, it did take time. Like at first we weren't all instant best friends and we didn't do as much life together. I feel like at first it just started out on Monday nights and it does take consistency to build those relationships and it be a place where everybody feels like it's their safe place that they can come to. So, but I feel like over time we built that and now, I mean, like Lauren said, like we all do life together. We do meet on Mondays, but we hang out on the weekends. My husband's birthday was recently and it was on a Monday night. And in the past, he he's very introverted, and he would usually be the one that would be like, let's just me and you go get dinner. But we went to small group, and we've been walking through a weird season of life just with job transitions and a lot going on and have really relied on our small group for prayer and support through it. And when we left that night, he was like, I am so thankful that we spent my birthday mm-hmm. with our group because everyone was able to pray over him and just speak life into all the things that we needed life spoken over. Um, And it was so sweet. I cried a lot, (laughs) which is not surprising if you know me because I cry a lot. But it was really sweet. And just for me, I think girls, like we can sit and talk and hang out. That's just kind of how girls are built. But to see men who also take the same things away and reap so much, we see so much fruit in our husbands from it is Mm. so sweet. It's been so good. It's changed Thomas Rhett too. Yeah. I think, I mean, it has, in the same way, I think it's, you know, easy for girls to like get together and be like, are we instant best friends? I think we are. (laughs) I've watched Thomas Rhett kind of go from just being a guy that has friends, but I don't see him go super deep with. And maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm just, I instantly just want to go deep when we start to talk to somebody. But for him to, to really go deep and for it to, have the impact on him that I have seen over the last, how long have we been in the small group? Two years? Two years. It's been two years. Yeah. Two years. Oh my two gosh. And Every months. Monday night for two years. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Holy we took cow. a few weeks off around Christmas. Sure, and then, like, sure, 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 sure. We I mean, have, we have a couple who they're, um, he baseball. plays baseball for the Cubs and they're gone quite a bit with yeah. spring training and then through the season. So that's really hard. But even then, like, Jill will FaceTime in sometimes and when she's able to and we're still like planning on trying to take a few trips this year and planning it around their schedule so we can all get back together. But when I say they are like our family, they are like our family and watching my husband benefit from this. I know what it does for my heart and my life and I'm just a better mom. I'm a better friend. I'm a better follower of Jesus. I'm just better when I'm in this group and around these women and men but watching that also be true for my husband has been so amazing and like so exciting that we get to do it together. Like I have a lot of friends who are in incredible small groups or church groups or community, whatever life groups, 
and a lot of times it's just girls or whatever it may be. But now that we're married, getting to do that in a marriage is so life-giving to our marriage. And that is behind God. That's the biggest relationship in my life. Mm -hmm. So I think for married people, that's something I would, that's like one of the first things I would encourage married people to do is to get plugged in with people with like hearts and like minds who are going to encourage you and speak truth. But also for my single friends, for the same reasons. I mean, I just, if you don't have that person speaking truth into your life, how can you go into your life and and become the woman or the man that God has created you to be if you don't have somebody fighting for you and fighting with you? I mean, we are not made to do this alone. Um, I think the next thing we should talk about is the spiritual average. Because to me, that is a huge part of how I choose the people that I spend the majority of my time with. Yeah. Before you say that, I will say, I think when I was in college, I think a lot of times we fall into community just by who we are surrounded, like who we're surrounded by. And it's not necessarily an intentional decision for who your community is. And I remember when I was in college, I had community, like I had people around me. I lived in a big house with a bunch of girls, but I was not intentional in choosing my community. And it left me feeling very, very drained. Mm -hmm. And I remember my sophomore year of college, I was in nursing school. I was miserable. Nursing was not my life calling, despite what I thought at the time. Um, and Lauren part of the actually, journey, part of the journey. Yeah, it is. And Lauren actually counseled me through a lot of that. But um, Nursing students unite. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Except I'm not a nursing yeah. student. Um, Praise God. Yeah. That was not yeah. your journey. Yes. But I remember I was just in, I was not in a good place. And I had so many friends around me. And don't get me wrong, like I do love some of my college friends and we are still good friends to this day. But I think as a whole, I just wasn't intentional with who I surrounded myself with. And I was kind of at a point where I was like, I am around a lot of people. Like, if you look at the probably Webster definition of community, I have it. But it wasn't intentionally chosen. And it left me feeling very drained and empty. And it wasn't until my junior year. Actually, I feel like we probably talked about this at some point, Lauren. But we became friends around my junior year or end of my sophomore year, Lauren and I did. And and where were you at school? Sorry, at the University at of Tennessee. Okay. Yeah, so go I was Vols. about three hours. Yes, yes. go Vols. <laughs> um, but it wasn't until I started becoming friends with Lauren and I was hanging out with her and a lot of her older friends that were out of college that I would be around them and I'd be like, "This is what it is supposed to be like when you are around people. This is like what friendship is supposed to feel like." you should walk away from your people feeling like refreshed and uplifted and Mm -hmm. encouraged and cheered on. Mm -hmm. And that was such a pivotal moment for me um, in that season because I ended up staying in Knoxville, but I came home a lot. And from then on, it kind of taught me that I needed to be more intentional with who I surrounded myself with. And while I do think that everybody needs community, it's equally as important the quality of the community that you have. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that I feel like I've learned a lot just through you and through your friends and people that I've gotten to be around in different seasons of my life when I didn't have solid community, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think we all have had those friends that were like, you know what? I, I don't feel like a better person after I leave that relationship or spending time with that person or you long for something that you don't have in that relationship. And I think exactly what Grace is saying is it's, if you're not intentional with the people you surround yourself with, it can be very draining. If those people aren't rooted in faith and truth, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm going to say the word truth so much <laughs> in this episode. <laughs> but I just, that is, that's the main theme of community for me is just pointing me back to our truth, which for us is Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I can tell the difference between my friends who are walking with Jesus and my friends who are not. And I love my friends, mm-hmm. even the ones who are not mm-hmm. dearly. Yeah. But there is a difference in my heart and my spirit when I leave the friends who are walking with Jesus after a, a night hanging out at our house or going on a vacation or whatever, than with the friends who aren't that I spend that much time with. And so something that we have talked about that our pastor one Sunday said in a sermon that I was like, that is brilliant. But I feel like a lot of people have, I've said it and they're like, oh yeah, yeah, I've heard that before too. So I think, (laughs) I think it's really good, but I just never heard it before. But he was saying, take your top five or 10 
closest friends. I feel like I have so many people around me at all times. I take my yeah, top most 10. of us it's five. Yeah, yeah. for yeah. you, maybe 10. <laughs> but take your top friends and rate their spiritual average. No judgment, but rate their spiritual average and then average those numbers. And that is likely what your spiritual average is going to be. To me, I was like, holy crap, I got to make sure that I have got people. I mean, if I'm wanting to get closer to Jesus, I've got to have people around me who are also either as close as I am or closer. Yeah. Because if I want my average to go up, to do the math here, you got to have some bigger numbers ahead of you to make you go up. I do feel like I had started to do that already, mm-hmm. especially because I think when Thomas Rhett started his career in the music industry, it kind of felt like the world just opened up and we were all of a sudden able to get in contact with basically anybody in the world we wanted to. Like we knew somebody who could get us in a room with fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. I think it's very tempting to be like, at least for me and Thomas Rhett, for sure. Like, you know, when you become like a quote unquote famous person, you get to have quote unquote famous friends. And I think, a really easy temptation is, well, because you're a little bit famous now, you should have some more famous friends and you should do more famous things. And I think we pursued that life a little bit. I think it was, it was like this new and exciting thing that the world was screaming at you. Like, this is your purpose. Like, this is, this is what you've been waiting for your whole life. And we didn't like go down some like major dark roads, I wouldn't say, but I did start to feel a shift in my spirit. Like that I was chasing the wrong friends and chasing the wrong things. And and not that I left my old friends in the dust. I don't mean that. But when you make a lot of new friends or pursue a lot of new relationships or new things or new opportunities, it leaves less and less time and space for the things and the friends that you Mm -hmm. used to spend all your time on. I experienced that and it did drain me significantly to the point where going back to friends will call you out. If they're your true friends, I will never forget Suzanne, Grace's mom. When in our old house, we had this big back porch and we were doing something for loved one that day, like a giveaway or something. And so we were recording stuff on the back porch and I was sitting on the swing. Grace had gone back inside to do something and Suzanne just looked at me and she said, Lauren, I'm really worried about you. Mm. And she started crying and I was like, oh my gosh. (laughs) What does she know that I don't know? Right. And she said, I can see your light starting to dim. Mm -hmm. She was like, I'm really worried about where you're going and and what you're doing and how much you're giving of yourself to things and people that are not going to give back to you. And not that you want to just give to people who are going to give back to you, but If you go down, the whole ship of your life goes down. Like you have to take care of yourself in order to be able to pour into people and to serve other people and to love on other people who really need it. And so for me, that was taking quite a few steps back and going, okay, what is it I'm pursuing that is not life-giving, that the Lord is not calling me to, that is just out of selfish desire because the world tells me that's what I should be doing? What are the things that I can get rid of or not spend as much time on? And what are the people and the things that I can pursue that are going to build me up and give me life and speak truth and to continue to have those hard conversations with me? Like, I don't believe that you are where you're supposed to be. I don't believe that what you're doing is what you're supposed to be doing. And it was a conversation in love, Mm -hmm. like only love, which is why she was crying is because it hurt her heart to watch me do the things that I was doing. Mm -hmm. I will never forget that as long as I live. And it, I felt, and I think a lot of times people feel like, are they going to hate me for having this conversation or what are they going to think of me? And thankfully in that situation, I know Suzanne's intentions. I know my close friend's intentions and they are nothing but to love me well. So for me, it was hard to hear, but I did receive it and I received it in love. If someone is not in a place to receive things in love, that can be a much harder conversation and go very differently. But at the same time, if you really love that person, that is the most loving thing you can do is to love them well and calling them out and saying, I love you too much to watch you keep going down this road. And whether they receive it or not, that's not for you to manage. Another thing that our pastor said one time is it is not our job 
to manage the outcome. That's God's job. It's our job to obey God and what he's calling us to do. And I believe Mm -hmm. if you're walking with God and he's calling you to love someone well, even though it may be hard, it's our job to obey that calling and let God manage the outcomes no matter what happens. And sometimes it ends really well. And sometimes it might spiral a little bit further and it might be really hard to walk through. But at the end of the day, you know that you're loving your friends well. And that's what we're called to do. Yeah. And I would also add, I think, like you said, it's important that we have people to fill us up um, and that that's kind of our home base and our core. But something that we've talked about with the girls in our small group is like we come and we're filled, but that's not for us to just harbor and hold on to. Like we come to each other to be filled so that we have an overflow to go out and love other people and hopefully help them know Jesus better through him flowing through us. But you always have your core group that you come back to to be filled. And then out of that filledness, that's what you love out of. Hey, y'all. So I know that y'all know this, but there's so much about fertility that is a total mystery. And that's why I wanted to share with y'all the modern family hormone test. So if you think of your fertility hormones as like tiny little detectives, they can bring you tons of insight into your egg count, reproductive timeline, and even possible outcomes for egg freezing and IVF. Everything you need to know to get proactive about your fertility. That's why Modern Fertility was created. It's the easy and affordable way to test your fertility hormones at home with a simple finger prick. Mail it in with a prepaid label and you'll get your personalized results within 10 days. So traditional testing with your doctor can cost over $1,000, but with Modern Fertility, you get the same information at $159, just a fraction of the price. And if you go to modernfertility.com slash live and love, you get $20 off your first test. You'll get insight into your hormone levels, how many eggs you have, and other important fertility factors. And the results go really deep into what every hormone means, and you can talk one-on-one with Fertility Nurse to review your results and options for next steps. And right now, Modern Fertility is offering our listeners $20 off the test when you go to modernfertility.com slash live in love. So that means your test will cost only $139 instead of the several hundred or even a thousand plus dollars it could cost at a doctor's office. So go get $20 off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com slash live in love. That's modernfertility.com slash live in love. Grace, do you think that's true that you're the average of the five people that are closest to you? A hundred percent. And I've seen back to what I was saying about college, I think my spiritual average of my people was not high. I am still good friends with them. And I think I can love my friends well, because now I have people who are filling me. But in those moments, I could not love people well. And I didn't feel like I was a good friend or who God wanted me to be because my spiritual average was very low. Yeah. So. I also think there's probably like the, this group of people are my fun or are, are my friends that I know are a high average of fun. Mm-hmm. And when I'm with them, my yes. fun level goes up and these people are really generous and I'm with them. I'm more generous yeah. when I'm with them. And these people are really smart. And these people watch the same shows as me. And these people are my spiritual, yeah. right? So do you feel like there's it's space good. for having different Absolutely. friends like that? Absolutely. And I think we all still have those friends. But I think for me, being a mom of three, I don't have a ton of extra time yeah. to just spend with friends. right? And so for me, the most important thing in my life is, A, how closely I'm walking with Jesus, B, the health of my marriage Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and see that I'm able to raise children who walk in love in everything they do and that they are rooted in love and every decision they make is rooted in love and that they know how loved they are. And for me to be able to do those three things, you've got to have, I mean, yeah, you've got to take your circle so seriously because those are (laughs) major life things and um how has grace made you a better mom oh my gosh <laughs> the one friend that's not a mom the one friend yeah, that's not I a think mom. it's important but all that to say she's not a mom yet but the wisdom that she can speak into my life even I'll never forget early on in our small group I had a moment where I came to our group one night and just broke down in mm. absolute tears and desperation and hopelessness because I felt like I was being spiritually attacked in motherhood 
mm-hmm. specifically with Willa Gray, our adopted little girl. And she's my first child. So everything I experienced in motherhood was all new with her. Not to mention she's adopted. She looks different. So some people in the world were telling us that what I was doing was wrong. And I was letting people speak into my life that should not have mm-hmm. had a microphone. Right. <laughs> and I came to our group that night broken, just so broken and feeling very inadequate. And like I was failing as a mom and that I wasn't able to do it. And Grace, having walked through a lot of what I was experiencing in her family with her adopted siblings, she was able to speak so much truth into that specific situation with me. But also just as a friend, I don't think it matters whether your friend has kids or whether they're married or even their age. I mean, Grace is 25. I'm almost 32. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Our age is very different. But what I do know is that grace is rooted in truth. And so no matter what my issue is, she's able to look at me in love and, and speak to me on that and say like, Hey, I've watched you with Willa Gray. I know that you love her. And that, and I have watched your journey with the Lord as you have brought her home and she is, has become your daughter. And I know to be true that God has given her to you as your daughter and he has given you to her as, as her mother. Yeah. And so she was able to say like, don't for one second, listen to the lies mm. because it will destroy you. And she's able to speak to that on a level of where she's listened to lies about herself. And so she's able to speak that truth into me and then just to love on me as a friend and to speak the things into me that I needed to hear. That was encouraging mm-hmm. to me that I could cling to and go, she is right. I do love Willa Gray. And God did tell me this is what I was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And I have to, at the end of the day, no matter what the world says to me, I have to trust that what God says is true. Mm-hmm. And that's the only voice I should be listening to. Grace, how has Lauren made you a better wife? I feel like I can talk a lot about this. Um, there's a moment that sticks out to me, too, when I think about this. I think a lot of times when you get married, there's a lot that's not talked about. And so you get married and everyone tells you that it's just supposed to be fun and newlywed and there's nothing hard about it. And I mean, people say marriage is hard, of course, but I think people just aren't very honest about the hard parts and the realities that come with being married. And I know when I first got married, I would feel things and I would feel so isolated and I'd be like, Mm. this is not how I'm supposed to feel in marriage. Like it's supposed to be easy and happy and nothing's wrong. Can you tell us one of those feelings just for people who, who no one talks about it? I think for example, like I'm really close with my family, Mm -hmm. and when I – I remember my mom helping me unpack our house, and when she left, I Mm. wept. I was so sad, and I'm like, I am married, and I just moved into a newlywed dream house. Like, I love my home. Now I love my home. But in in that moment, it just felt like an empty house with some boxes. (laughs) And my mom just left me. And this dude. dude. (laughs) Supposed to learn to live with. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was so sad when she left me. And then I'm like, I should not be feeling this way. I just married a man that I love, the man of my dreams, who I adore. And I'm, I get to live with him, but there's still a part of me that's sad. And I think there have been so many moments like that and feelings like that that Lauren has spoken to that's made me know that I'm not alone and that it's normal. And I think when you have, like I've always looked up to her and TR's marriage, and I think when you have marriages that you look up to, telling you that what you're feeling is not out of the norm, Mm. you're like, well, I love their marriage and I look up to their marriage. And if they felt this way, then it's okay that I feel this way. Like I am, this is normal. So that's been a big thing for me. I just think, and obviously that comes with community too, but just helping each other not to feel isolated because the majority of the time, the things that we feel isolated by, we're not alone in. Mm -hmm. Just people don't talk about them. Mm -hmm. And so Lauren has always been a very honest friend with me about her struggles and things that she's experienced. And for me, that helps me know that I'm not alone. Mm -hmm. I remember we went on our small group retreat. We all went out to their farm um, for a weekend, and it was so much fun. But we were sitting around the campfire one morning, and the girls were together, and the guys had split off. This is what I was thinking, too. Yeah, I was thinking the same story. Continue. And we all started talking about just different things that have been hard in marriage or things that we've overcome or thoughts that we've had that, we know are not from God, but we've had. 
And in that moment, I've never felt more related to and less alone. Like, wow. I like, think every girl in our small group would say the same thing. When yes. we talk about this retreat weekend, every girl in our small group goes, that was like pivotal, a turning point really? in our friendship and in our marriages. Yeah. Without going into too much detail, I'll just share it because it was my story and I'm okay to share it. And I'm speaking on behalf of Thomas Rhett that I'm assuming he's okay with me sharing this. <laughs> it's probably in your book. It's well, yeah, I don't think this, I don't think this came out of my book, but it should have. I will never forget like three years into our marriage. I remember one day waking up feeling like, did I make the right decision mm. in marrying Thomas Rhett? Yeah. And feeling like not as in love and not like butterflies and... You know, it, it marriage is not butterflies and rainbows. Let's just start there. <laughs> but it should be a place of love. And there are going to be definitely mountains and valleys through your marriage. But I think one thing that I was not spoken to before marriage, which I guess my mom always said, it's good for me and your dad to go away on our own because me and my siblings would be like, why are y'all leaving us? We want to go on the trip with you. And mom would be like, we're going away so we can remember why we like each other and why we got married. <laughs> So I guess in a way, mom did kind of bring this up, but I had like very specific things that were kind of attacking me in that third year of marriage to where I felt like, like I said, I was like, did I, did I make the right decision? Am I really in love with him? Oh my gosh. Like, did we fall out of love? Do we not like, how did we do this? How do I bring this to him? And then to the point where when I say spiritually attacked, I know some people probably listening are like, what the heck does that mean? But it is something that is very real in life. Mm -hmm. And whether you're aware of it or not, it's happening around you. And for me, I was able to realize what it was. But I would I started having like vivid dreams mm. of past relationships oh, wow. and people I'd spent a lot of time with and given a lot of my heart to like old boyfriends or just weird, like st stuff that would be detrimental to a marriage mm. if I let it grow or if I lived into that wow. a little bit more. And to me, that was just me being attacked in my marriage because I believe that marriage is not something that the enemy wants. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah. I think that is a very easy way to attack someone is if they are married, you go for the marriage. That's like the jugular. My marriage was being attacked in ways where I questioned what we did as far as getting married. I questioned who I was. I wouldn't say that I was like, are we going to get a divorce? But it was a moment where I, I didn't know if I liked Thomas Rhett right then. Mm -hmm. And liking and loving is a very different thing. Like if somebody had come at him at that moment, I would fight for him and love because I love him. But liking your spouse is a very different thing. Mm -hmm. And that was all being attacked. And I just had so much confusion around that. And so what I started doing was just praying that like I started praying against whatever the enemy was throwing at me personally, because it wasn't something that was being thrown at Thomas Red at the time. And that's something that he can speak on yeah. later. But it was something that, to be quite honest, was embarrassing for me to talk about because I was like, why am I having these feelings? Why am I having these really weird dreams of trying to stir up old feelings with past mm -hmm. relationships, mm -hmm. which can be such a dark place in a marriage and, and a seed that can root and grow and destroy your marriage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I recognized it and was like, I've got to fight this thing. So I just started praying that the Lord would bring life back into our marriage, especially for me, and that he would make me see the man in Thomas Rhett that I I know him to be and that God created him to be and that the distractions and the enemy's tactics of reminding me of these things and and the wedge he was driving between our marriage, you know, the arguments that came up at that time and the life choices we were making and how pivotal of a time it was in his career and how busy he was. Like there are so many things that were just driving wedges in between him and I. And so it was an easy place for the enemy to attack and and put those thoughts in my head. And mm. so when one of the girls in our group, I think it was my sister at the time, actually, was talking about struggles. She's still her. your sister. Yes. Just at right. the time, it was your sister <laughs> yes. saying that. Yes. She's still my sister. my sister at the time. <laughs> at the time. <laughs> She's actively still your sister. We yes. just talked to her. I did not disown her. <laughs> um, she... She at the time was going through a similar thing, and I could tell that as she was trying to be vulnerable with us and ask for help, 
she didn't really know how to say it. Mm. But the second it started coming out of her mouth, I was like, you're not alone. Yeah. Let me tell you what I went through at year three that I didn't tell anybody about because I was ashamed. Yeah. And when I started word vomiting and confessing all of this, granted at the time, me and Thomas Rhett were in a great place, but it took a lot of learning and adjusting and prayer and all kinds of things just to get to where we are. I was able to speak into her like, hey, you're not alone. And let me tell you what I went through. And as I started saying that, I watched around the fire how every single wife started nodding their head and going like, I've had similar dreams or I felt attacked in that. And I just felt really guilty about it and thought it was something that just I struggled with. And I'm not saying that every marriage is going to go through that, but I do think there are specific. Everybody's going to dream something at some point. For sure. But there are ways I think the enemy can make you feel like you should be ashamed or the things that you are doing are wrong or you're selfish or you're dirty or. Yeah you need to hide this and hide that and don't tell anybody about this part of your heart because Mm -hmm. it's too dirty for someone else to know or look at. And that couldn't be further from the truth. And we have just experienced that grace and I with our whole group that the more vulnerable we can be, even in the dirty stuff, that's where if you let that light in, then the darkness has to flee. And, and that's what we've been able to learn and grow together through that especially in marriage. And it has been just so, so good. But vulnerability, if you don't have it, you can't grow. Yeah. So how do you have the courage, Grace, to say your story like that? Like, how do you go first on that? I think being in community with people who are also willing to open up about things helps. I think it would be really hard to be the only person that's willing to be vulnerable. But I do think that there is power, like Lauren was saying, in if you will just step out and speak Honestly, you'll be amazed at how it will impact people. And in that moment, she is the one who led that conversation. And like she said, all of us talk about it often because there are so many things that it's like, it's hard to talk about because you do feel shame or guilt. But one of my friends always or has said that shame and guilt are not from God. Mm. And I think a lot of times we feel feelings and we don't think like this was planted either by God or the enemy in my mind and in my heart. And there's no gray area. Like it's either from God or it's not. And it's so important that we know the things that are of God and that are not of God. Because if you feel shame or guilt and you can identify this was planted by the enemy, I'm not letting this take root in my mind or in my heart. And then that kind of motivates me. Like I'm not going to feel shame or guilt from this and keep me from speaking up when what I have to share could help a lot of other people. Yeah, And that's why things are life our testimony is impactful. Like the enemy wants to keep us from sharing it with other people because he knows that people will be blessed and learn and feel related to from our experiences and our stories. So I think when you know that and can identify it in your own life, it helps you to have the boldness and the confidence to speak honestly and to be vulnerable, even if there is a chance that the vulnerability isn't going to be reciprocated. I think anyone who steps out will be amazed at the response that they get from other people and just how much people desire and crave that. Yeah. Lauren, how do we find community? I would say the first way to start that journey is in prayer. I mean, I think, I don't think, I know one of the most powerful things we have the ability to do is to pray for things and to claim things over our life and to have that authority over our life and over our community and to speak those things into our life. And so that's something that I've done a lot in my life is pray for certain community, whether it's like I just recently had started praying for more black women in my life for Willa Gray to grow up around. And right as I started praying that prayer, one of my girlfriends from years ago who is one of she she lives in Texas so we don't live right down the street from each other but still she is a black mother who just adopted a white little girl mm-hmm. and not only did God connect us just in friendship before children but now he's connected us through adoption and not only is she a black mother but she's also struggling with raising a daughter that looks differently from her mm-hmm. as I have struggles or, or fears that I'm not going to be good enough to raise Willa Gray. And, and that's not true, by the way. Let me just go ahead and say that <laughs> those fears are not valid. But 
it's it's so important for us to have those people who are like-minded and that we can relate to. And as I prayed for that specific relationship to grow in my life, she reached out and started telling me about her adoption journey. And it was like fast. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes things don't happen as quickly as you want them to, but I do think that you have to be very aware of the Lord's voice in your life and when he is putting something in front of you for a reason. And if you are praying for something specifically in, in this situation, community, being really sensitive to what he's putting in front of you, but also having the courage to follow through when you feel like, I feel like this might be a person mm. that I could do life with, but yeah. what if she doesn't feel the same way? Maybe yeah. I shouldn't say anything. No, in that moment, you have to step out in faith and go, okay, I feel like the Lord has connected us in this conversation. Maybe I should ask her if she wants to go have coffee. Yeah. Maybe we should try to go to dinner next weekend. Like having those things like you have to step out in confidence and boldness and you have to take charge of your life as well because I believe that he will send you who you need but it is up to you to choose that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, it, and it does feel uncomfortable sometimes. I mean, the first few times that we met as a small group, we were like, one of our friends, Kate Kate and Ben are a couple in our small group. And the first night she showed up to our small group, she asked Ben, she goes, wait, so is this like, do we like bring a Bible or what is this going <laughs> to look like? Like we just, we started with no direction other than we're all married and we all want to walk closer with Jesus. So what does this look like? And so you do have growing pains and you do have moments that are like a little bit awkward or uncomfortable. When it would get silent and Landon would always go, Mm. (laughs) (laughs) we always say that no all of us will just go "Mm," Mm. whenever it gets silent because there are so many times when there was just a lull and it would just be quiet for a second and then you'd hear Mm. Good word, good word. (laughs) Yeah, that was a good word. Oh, gosh. Okay. Are we good at this? I don't know. And there are going to be moments where you're not good at it or you're like, well, that was an epic fail. But if you keep at it, I mean, we've been doing this for over two years. Like the life that has come from it is unbelievable. But it takes time to get there. It's not going to happen overnight. And you do have to step out in confidence and take it for yourself when he provides that for you. And it might not look the way that you think it should look. It could look totally different, but it's good. And it's something that you absolutely should pray for, but then take those nods or as that person comes into your life, being sensitive to that. Yeah. So Grace, at the end of every conversation, we ask the same question. How do you live in love in community in your day-to-day life? And what does that mean to you? When you told me about this podcast and you said that it was going to be on community, I just was praying that God would give me words to read um, that would just kind of speak to like his biblical definition of community so that I could come into it with a godly definition of community mm-hmm. in mind. And I very clearly heard 1 Corinthians 12. And as I was reading it, I read verse 26 and it says, so if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. And I think when it comes to living in community, if you want rich community, that's how you have it is by being a member that when people are suffering, you have empathy and you're willing to walk through the hard stuff with them. And then when something good happens, I honestly think this part might be harder than suffering with someone for a lot of people. I think for some people it's harder to celebrate someone, celebrate someone else's mm-hmm. victories, mm-hmm. especially if you're coming from a place of like insecurity or mm-hmm. self-doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is how you are a good friend. That's how you love well. And if you want to have rich community, then that's the kind of friend you need to be. Mm-hmm. So. Walk through the hard and celebrate the good with the people you love. Oh, Grace. That's good. Well, that's from Jesus. So That's good. <laughs> Preach, Jesus. Yeah. Have you ever read Walking with God by John Eldridge? Oh, girl. Mm. Okay. Fire. Changed my it's life. Fire. Y'all's group read it? Mm-hmm. Yes. Because Lauren with- Tomlin told you to? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I read it because Lauren Tomlin told me oh, to. Oh, really? I worked through it with Lauren, too. Yes. That's amazing. <laughs> well, I this morning, I've really just been trying to pray about, like, what God would have me read, especially in moments where I'm not studying something or mm-hmm. I'm just like, Jesus, tell me what to read. And it's just wild how it'll be like, Acts 12. Mm-hmm. And then you read it and you're like, oh my gosh. Or sometimes, like last week on Monday, 
I read something and I was like, I don't think this was a word or it didn't really feel like a word for me. I was like, this is good, but it's not like speaking to my soul. And then we got to small group that night and Macy said something and I was like, God gave me that because it's speaking to Macy's soul. So it wasn't like technically for me, but it was for somebody else. So it's really cool. Even when you think it might not be a word for you, it's still so good. Awesome. But I did, I was praying and I knew this was going to be about community and I wrote this down. Lauren, as we always do, I'm turning the question on you as well. So what does it look like for you to live and love in community? I kind of want to just piggyback off of Grace's because that yeah. just, do it. I got goosebumps when you said that, because when I think about people being in life with me, I feel like the most recent horrible, heartbreaking thing that I went through was the death of my grandmother. And I haven't been through a death of a very close person in my life in a long time. And as hard as it was for my heart to go through what my family just went through, when I tell you I had such strength and comfort and peace because I know that I had people lifting me to the Father Mm -hmm. and lifting our family and my dad and my cousins and my aunt and siblings. And so when you just read that, like no more needs to be said about community. Like that is exactly how you live in community. And it's just, it's loving people through the really good and through the really bad. And that is exactly who you are to me. That is exactly who our small group is to me. That is who everybody that I have on this podcast is. That's just, that is a definition of who they are to me is they are in my life with me and loving me well. I cannot even fathom what it would be like to do life without y'all. It's, it's crucial. It is so crucial to my life is my community. And I'm so grateful for it. Me too. Thank y'all so much for listening. I love getting to share these conversations with you. If you love this episode, please rate it, review it, and share it with your friends. Also, just a reminder that you can pick up your copy of the paperback edition of Live in Love. It's available now. And I hope you'll join us for our next episode of the Live in Love podcast, where we'll be talking about what it means to live in love and support. Hey, y'all, don't forget to partner with our friends at Crew. For only $21 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $21 as a thank you, Crew will provide meals to five hungry families through their humanitarian aid ministry, and you'll receive a copy of my new book, Live in Love. All you got to do is text LOVE to 71326 to help today. Imagine just how much this gift could change someone's life. So text LOVE to 71326. That's L-O-V-E to 71326 to help now or visit give.crew.org slash love.